0: So let's pray. We're going to jump to some scriptures this morning. Father, we just thank you for what you are doing. We thank you that you are at work as you have been for all of human history. We thank you that in the midst of what we see around us, that your kingdom is advancing, that you are accomplishing all that you desire for your good purpose and plan. And we pray even this morning as we gather around your scriptures, Lord, we give you permission. We acknowledge our need for you. And we ask that you'd come and speak to us. We pray that you would move in our midst, in our hearts, in our lives, that you'd open our eyes to see you, our ears to hear you, that we would love you more deeply, that we would see you more clearly, that we would more fully represent the reality of who you are as your image bearers. Let your kingdom come and your will be done for the glory of your name alone. King of kings, glorious one name above every other name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I mentioned we were <clears throat> going to spend some time in the pastoral epistles this morning. Did I already give you an address or not? I just said, turn the Bible. Pick somewhere. Where did you turn to? Timothy. Well done. Good listening. You're in Timothy. She's clearly prophetic. Second Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to pick up this portion of Scripture. I want to read a whole chunk this morning, remembering as I said earlier, these are all of Scripture is, of course, incredibly significant for different reasons. But I love these couple of letters, these two letters that Paul writes to Timothy, and he writes not specifically or overtly to write letters of theology, although there's wonderful theology in there. They're written with a tenderness. They're written with a concern, with a a love and a passion for this young man that Paul had literally fathered in the Lord, his spiritual father. And he writes this letter in particular at the end of his life. He's looking back at his journey and he's preparing Timothy for both what Timothy would face, but the the acknowledgement that he wouldn't be around forever. In fact, he he says, I've finished my race. I'm right at the end. The, The crown of glory is in sight. I'm about to to go and be with my Lord and Savior. And so here is what is important for me to remind you of before I take that final step. And he's going to set the scene. We're really going to focus on one thing. But as I said, we'll just read a a portion of scripture. It's all so good. It's hard to cut it short. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul speaking to, to Timothy, his son, he says this. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless. He's on a bit of a a roll here, isn't he? Swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Pause there for just a moment. It's quite a scene that Paul is painting. And it wouldn't take much, would it, to draw some parallels until the time, to the times in which we find ourselves today. But he's not just talking about the state of affairs for their own sake. He's setting the scene that he might encourage Timothy in a certain area. Let's jump down to verse 10. He talks about some specific examples there. That we'll pass over just in the interest of time. But after setting that scene, verse 10, here's his instruction to Timothy. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from all of them, the Lord rescued me quite Another list, isn't it? And we're going to come back to that portion of Scripture in just a moment. But we we'll go on. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from being bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. Isn't that an incredible thought? That God has given us everything that we need to be equipped for every good work. And it's found in his word. It's not found in your social media feed. Who would have thought? Surprise. It's not even found in your favorite podcast or listening to your favorite preacher. Nothing wrong with those two things. But if we want to be equipped, we've got to know where our equipping comes from. And it comes from His Word. We've got to be lovers of His Word. We've got to be people who are reading His Word, who are allowing His Word to read us. And then just one more portion here and we'll come back to what our main focus is this morning. Verse 4. He then says, having set the context, having reminded and exhorted Timothy, he says, I charge you therefore in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. And he'll go on to talk about, "I've I've run my race, I fought the good fight. And effectively, here's the baton, Timothy, you go for it. And I mentioned that portion just to, to really bring the, the second parentheses in this portion of Scripture because he's, he's setting a, a troubling, a somewhat troubling scene. He's saying, there will be difficult times. You will face persecution and opposition, but here's how you're to respond ultimately. He doesn't say, so, you know, go and find a little cave and a little hole that you can hide in. Pray that the apocalypse will pass you over. Give up. He says, no, even more so when you see these things happening, when there's stuff happening around you, I charge you, and it's quite a charge, isn't it, in the presence of the living God. All all the heavenly hosts effectively bear witness. I'm charging you, preach the gospel. Don't give up. Keep going. There is a purpose for you to accomplish. There is a race for you to run. It does not matter what it looks like in the natural. Keep on keeping on and I am charging you to never give up in what God has called you to do. That's probably a moment for an amen. Thanks, Anne. I'll take that from the front seat. So we have the the setting and we have this final conclusion, but I want to jump back into this middle portion and say, well, what is it then that can sustain us? What is it that can get us from A to B, from the difficult, troubling scenarios, from the challenges Timothy would face, through to this incredible call to never stop, to never give up, to, to preach and proclaim the gospel, to fulfill the call that was on his life and is upon your life and upon my life. And for me, the key for us here, and our focus this morning, is back in chapter 3, verse 10. This is the first thing he says. He set the scene. Let's read it again. Verse 10. He says, you, Timothy, you have seen and you've followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering. You, Timothy, you've seen how it is that I've lived my life. You've seen my proven character. And I want to talk this morning about the need and the importance and the priority of being a people of character. You see, what's interesting to me in this passage of Scripture is not just what's there, it's what's not there. Remembering this is the Apostle Paul, this, this is a man who was used arguably in greater ways than almost anyone else throughout Scripture. A man of great wisdom, a man of incredible impact in the ministry. I mean, he'd seen revivals, he'd seen whole regions come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd seen incredible miracles. He was so anointed, they're taking his sweatcloths and the demons are, are trembling at the sight of his, his sweatcloth. It's almost like so much of the presence of the Lord is just seeping out of him. And yet he'd also endured hardship. He'd been in prison on many occasions, many different times. Like he'd seen the highs and the lows. But he'd seen incredible success. And as he's encouraging Timothy, as he knows Timothy is going to face difficult and challenging times, here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, Timothy, learn from my patterns of ministry. Learn from my success. See how successful my ministry was. See how many people I raised from the dead. See the the great giftings that God has used in me. I mean, all those things are important. But he doesn't point Timothy towards his giftings, does he? He's saying, Timothy, here's what you need above all of that. You need to be a person of character. Here's what's important as I look back at my life. If you're to endure the hardships, if you're to fulfill the call that God has for you, here's what you're going to need. Here's the most essential item is you need to be a person of character. And I'd say the same to us as we look at, well, what is it that we need as a church, as a family, as an individual, as the church, in whatever sense of the word you might look at or unpack. I suggest many of us would say, what is it we need? Well, we need greater resources. We need greater influence. We need greater anointing. We need greater power. Most of us would go to something that was associated with the giftings. And certainly there's a sense that all of those are true. I'm not saying they're bad. But there's something that we need more than any of those things. If we're truly to endure, if we're truly to accomplish the call that God has on our lives. And it's this, we must be a people of character. We must. Must be people of character. I was listening to a, a particular podcast this week. I have... Uh, is this mic alright, by the way? It's in the middle. Just give me a yell if I need to switch over. I have a, a whole... Different swag of podcasts that I enjoy listening to at different times, having commutes in and out of town each and every day. But I happen to be listening to this one podcast this past week. It was a guy by the name of Scott Sauls. He's a pastor and preacher from the U.S., and he was just sharing. He's written a couple of great books, sharing his journey in ministry and some of the most pivotal moments that shaped the way that God has used him. And God has used him in some some great ways in the particular. Uh, church planning space, and some of the things he's accomplished. And he said one of the pivotal moments in his journey with the Lord was the time that he spent, he spent five years working at a church in the US under a guy called Timothy Keller. Who knows Timothy Keller? Most of us know he is a a great Presbyterian brother who God used um, and continues to use. He's still alive today. Um, In New York City, he's the father of a, a church planning, urban renewal movement. He was voted, of all things, I don't even know how you get this, but on the, the Fortune 50 list of the greatest leaders in the world, 50 greatest leaders, is the only Christian or preacher to, uh, to be voted and given that honour, which of course someone like Timothy Keller just tends to brush off. He's not there for the fame, he's not there for the fortune and what he can get out of it but God's really used Timothy Keller in incredible ways so this guy Scott Sauls who I was listening to he said I had this desire to go and to learn from him how how is it that you can have an impactful ministry I'd seen the fruit of his ministry I'd seen this incredible church planting hundreds of churches planted I've seen you know in an urban environment just the the flourishing of God in that particular um, neighborhood he said I loved his preaching I'd I, I think he's one of the most anointed preachers, this guy was saying, that I've ever come across. I wanted to sit under his ministry. I wanted to just get a sense for, you know, what, what was it that made him tick? And the interesting observation he made is in this five-year period, he said, I went there trying to learn about the gifts. But he said the thing that far more impacted me, more than anything else in the five years that I spent working for Tim Keller and walking a close journey with him, was his character. He goes on and he describes, he said, there was no one that he's come across with a greater personal integrity. That Timothy Keller was a man who had this priority for reading scriptures every day. He would just read through the Bible multiple times every year. He was a man of deep prayer, that he prayed through, prays through all of the Psalms every month. There's this deep place of personal intimacy and in a pursuit of the Lord. He also said, this one grabbed me. He said one of the things he loved in terms of Timothy Keller's character was the way that he dealt with criticism. Because you have a public profile, you can guarantee, particularly in the world in which we live, that you're going to get a lot of flack. And he said it didn't matter what people would throw against him. He never reacted or responded. Always someone who responded with grace and integrity and love. Even in the midst of, he's had two cancer battles, Through persecutions, through struggling and suffering, he was a man of exceptional character. So you might ask, why am I mentioning this particular example? Well, it struck me as I listened to this guy talk about his most pivotal moments and as he spent this five years under Timothy Keller, it wasn't the giftings, although he was so impressed, if you like, with the, the fruit of Timothy's ministry. But it was undoubtedly the character of the man that impacted him the most. And it struck me as I listened to that how rare that is for us in the church today. Let's let's be honest. If we were to have someone spend five years with us, walking alongside, shadowing us in our lives, what is it do you think that they would be struck by the most? What is it? I'll leave you to ponder that and think that thought. And I've got no, no doubt that there's other people like Timothy Kellers in the world around us. But there's also a great disservice, isn't there, that the church has done over the years in that we've failed to live out what we preach. We've seen in the church in our own country over the last decade, from the liturgical, traditional environments through to the modern Pentecostal environment, it feels like almost every week we're confronted by what? This lack of character, a lack of integrity. So not only is this rare, but I would suggest to us, as Paul is trying to say to Timothy and is evidenced in our modern culture, what is needed more than anything else for us to truly be effective in the mission that God has called us to? And yes, there's probably a number of things that we could put on that list. But one thing I believe that is missing perhaps more than any other is in this area of character. So it was needed as Paul encourages Timothy, he says, this is what you're going to need. That's what certainly this gentleman's response was from the podcast this week that he believed was essential in Timothy Keller's fruitfulness and impact in the gospel wasn't his giftings, it was his character. So I had this, um, this moment, probably six weeks, a couple of months ago now, that really got me thinking on this particular tangent. And obviously we've come through a year, uh, few years where a lot of things have been revealed, haven't they? Things have come to the surface. In some ways that's been good, they've been necessary. In some ways it's been a bit ugly and uncomfortable in different moments. But I think there's this intentional revealing, and I, as I'm sure many of you have, have just prayed and said, well, God, what is it that you're doing? Like, what is it that's going on? What, what are you trying to do in my life and our life and the lives of your people? And I happened to be watching this particular report on the news one night, and it was talking about supply chain issues. Who's gone to the supermarkets over the last six months and found, you know, all you want is a tomato soup and tomatoes are $15,000 a kilo? Or you're desperate for a salad and the, the one lettuce there is $200 and it's a little brown, wilted. and There's been supply chain issues. There's been a sense that you don't always know what you're going to get. And, and the interesting thing this report brought out was it's fascinating because the world actually produces, and certainly our country's um, a very high producer of food as well, but it produces enough food to feed the entire population of the planet more than three times over. Like there's an abundance of food that's out there and the issue is actually with the supply chains. There's all sorts of various factors there, shipping ports issues, you name it, logistical challenges that have given us shortages, not as a result of what is available but as a lack of there being the relevant infrastructure to actually bring these goods to the places where they're needed. And as I was watching and sometimes the Lord kind of challenges challenges me in in these ways is that you're seeing something in the natural and God sort of says and this is what I'm telling you you see that all the time in the bible as Abraham looks up and he you know he says see the stars and now this is what I want to say to you about it and I had this moment where I'm watching this and God said to me Andrew there is a supply chain shortage in the kingdom that there is this sense I believe that the kingdom is a kingdom of abundance The issue is not with what God is wanting to do or to supply. There's an abundance there. But there is a supply chain issue. And so I was praying. I'm saying, well, what what is it? What what do we need to do? And the Lord impressed upon my heart exactly what we're focusing on this morning. This is is the issue. This is where it's falling apart, is is that there is not the character that can carry the fullness of what God is wanting to do, that what he's looking for is a people of character so that he can accomplish that which he wants to do. He's got to do, another way to put it would be, the Lord wants to do in us what he has to do so that he can accomplish what he wants to do through us. That's where it starts. And so if you're feeling a little bit like there's been some stuff revealed... Like there's weaknesses exposed, like things have risen to the surface. There's a sense in which it's God's mercy that allows these things to happen, that we might deal with them and allow him to do what he wants to do in us, that he can do through us. So, the question then is if this indeed is significant, if, if that's what we're seeing, which I believe we are through Paul's encouragement to Timothy, if it's just as relevant today, we've given some examples about the importance of character in the world in which we live. How do we do it? What, what does that actually look like then to develop a godly character? And if you're looking for a two step or a ten step process, I'm afraid, I'm sorry, I never do well with two and ten step processes anyway. But this is an area where I don't believe there is a two- or a ten-step process. See, character is something that is developed over time and is perfected in the midst of a process. Why is it that we see throughout Scripture this picture of God calling people? We can look at the Abrahams, the Josephs, Moses, David, even Paul himself. There's this call of God and then there is this perfection that takes place in the midst of a process. Sometimes it's 10 years, sometimes it's 20 years, sometimes it's 30 years until we see the fullness of that promise. Why is that? It's because God's not just interested in what we do. It's not just the fruits. He's interested in how we do it. Everything in the world points us towards the externalities. Everything in the kingdom points us inward towards our character. That's so what it says in 1 Samuel. Man looks to the outward, the Lord looks to the heart. It's to the heart. That's what he's interested in. Why don't you turn with me to the book of Revelation? And we'll bring this to a close here this morning. Revelation 3, verses 1 to 6. This is Jesus' report card to the churches. And he writes to this church, known as the church in Sardis. He says this, To the angel of the church in Sardis writes, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And this is the phrase here. Jesus is looking in. He says, I know your works. All of us should be getting a little bit nervous right about now. Standing in the presence of the Lord. And he says, I know your works. Oh dear. We might be in a bit of trouble. He says this, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. (laughs) Not such an amen there, is it? (laughs) You have the reputation of being alive. You look like you. you, you, The externalities are there. For all intents and purposes, for anyone looking on, you look like you're alive. But here's the problem. You peer beneath the surface, and I'm examining your words, and all there is... Is death. But he doesn't leave him there. He says, So wake up and strengthen what remains. So wake up. Don't be content to live in that kind of state. The world cares about this carefully curated reputation, but God cares. Not just about what you do, but who you are. This is where it begins. And that's my message, that's my encouragement. That's the invitation, not for condemnation this morning, but an invitation for us to look within. You see, I don't hear many people these days crying out for character. It's kind of one of those prayers that very few would be bold enough to pray, isn't it? bit like you never pray and ask the Lord for patience, right? Because you know what he's going to give you. He's going to give you some opportunities to practice patience. I think we're very happy at times to cry out, well, Lord, you know, increase my influence, fill my desires, do whatever you have to do to make me famous. We're far less likely to say, Lord, would you search my heart? Would you examine my works? Would you show me not just my reputation, but what is it that's going on beneath the surface? Strengthen what remains and may we be a people like Paul is encouraging Timothy that can stand in the midst of a world that's gone a bit crazy. May we be a people like Paul who can look at those younger than us that we're raising up and say, look at me, look at my life. Look how I've endured trials. Look how I've kept the faith, I've persevered. To be a witness to Christ's character in a world. How is it we cut through? How is it we ensure we run the race without falling short? How do we fulfil that call effectively that Paul gives so powerfully to Timothy? There's difficult times, but don't give up. Keep going. Preach the gospel. There's a the gospel to preach. There's people that need Jesus is a kingdom that we long to see proclaimed and manifested on earth as it is in heaven. What's going to connect the dots there? What's going to sustain us? What's going to see us not fall short? My encouragement is it's not anything external. It's our hearts. It's our character. Can we pray? the worship team to come back if they can, or Brendan or someone. Just in your private moment there with the Lord, let me ask you this question. If people spend a day with us, let alone five years, what is the one thing that they would come away with? If we were a people who were as bold as Paul to say, as he says to Timothy, look at my life, look at the way that I live, the way I conduct myself, the way that I stand in the midst of trials, the way that I've endured and persevered, the way that I've passionately pursued God in the secret place, the way that even when people have come against me, I've acted with love and grace and mercy and kindness If we were to invite others, because they are, they're looking and examining at the way we live our lives. What is it that we would be proclaiming? And I pray that there's something for each of us this morning, some area that the Lord might reveal, he might strengthen what remains, so that we would be a people who can stand, who can endure, who can run, this race with passion and perseverance for his glory. So, Father, we just thank you for these incredible stories, accounts of the power of character. We thank you for the Apostle Paul's witness, as he encourages Timothy to to look at his own life, to look at his character. Lord, we thank you for, for Timothy Keller and the many others that we could look at and whose lives we could examine. Those alive today, those saints of the last few thousand years, who've stood strong, who've endured, who've persevered, who've prioritised the things that matter, those people of character. And Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged to model our lives upon their example. Lord, I ask for a boldness today to pray. Not just a prayer of God, increase your anointing on our lives, increase our giftings, but to pray this prayer. Lord, do whatever you need to do to develop our character. Examine our works, search our hearts. Show us, Lord, everything that is not pleasing in your sight. That you might come and do the work that you need to do in us in order to accomplish all that you need and desire to do through us. We pray in Jesus' name.